Well, we have worshiped and we're going to continue to worship. And how many of you know when you get into the Word, that's worship? How many of you know when you get into the Word, that's worship? Amen. You guys are great. But we are glad that you chose to be with us here on Labor Day weekend. And I'm excited to get to bring the Word to you this morning. I haven't preached in a couple of weeks. My wife preached last week. The week before, we had Pastor Joseph from India. And so I'm honored to get to preach to you today. If you would, would you take your Bibles and turn over to the book of Matthew? The book of Matthew, chapter 6. Thank you, Becca. And don't you love sensitive worshipers? Oh, yeah, I, I love it. I'm just so thankful for our worship team. And what they're doing, Matthew chapter 6, um, <clears throat> how many of you have ever in your prayer time, when you have prayer time, you've ever gotten hung up in prayer? You ever just kind of feel like you're, I mean, you know, I'm not sure what to say here, or, you know, maybe you've prayed and you fell asleep, um, you know, you got up early to pray and you laid before the Lord, made that mistake, and you laid before the Lord, you know fell asleep, you know, and I I don't know of any father that minds their son falling asleep in their arms, you know, Um, but how many of you know there's a, there's a better plan for prayer, and so I was doing some research, and I noticed that George Barna had a statistic for people who pray. These are, these are people who are professing believers. They profess to believe in Jesus, that when they pray, I thought this was interesting. 84% of them pray silently. They don't say anything. I thought that was, wow, that was an interesting statistic. 12% pray audibly. So that means they have words. They have stuff to say. Now, some people are just chatterboxes. I don't necessarily have that gift. And I don't know if you're like me, if you've ever been in a conversation with someone and you didn't know what to say. Maybe that's not an issue for you. I know it's not for Tom. Tom talks about that. It's not an issue for you, right, Tom? You get around people. But, you know, but for, but for some people, it doesn't automatically come easy. And so when I saw that statistic, I thought, well, this is probably, or this may very well be the situation for some people that they just don't know what to do when they get into prayer. You know, you come into, you come into a prayer room and you, and you know, because you hear this word intimacy so much, I need to be intimate with God. I need to kick into intimacy here in my relationship with God. But what does that mean? Intimacy. So what I had on my heart today is I want to give you seven places of prayer. You could probably call them levels, but I didn't want to exalt one over the other because they're all powerful places to be in. And I think if you elevate one over the other, you'll miss what God wants to do in the one. Can I get an amen? And so the first one, the first place of prayer that I want to talk about is the place of confession, the place of confession. And so if you're there in Matthew chapter six, look at verse nine. This is a model prayer that Jesus was teaching to his disciples. They asked him, they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And so some people refer to this prayer as the Lord's Prayer, 
but it has the, the remission of sin in it, so it can't be the Lord's Prayer, but it's actually the prayer that he taught the disciples. So this would be the disciples' prayer. This would be a model prayer for us. So he said in verse 9, he said, when you pray, pray in this manner, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed is a term that means to render sacred, to make holy. So in this place of confession, this place of prayer that's a place of confession, that word confession also means acknowledgement. So it's a place of acknowledging who God is. We've done that this morning already. We've been acknowledging who God is. And when you acknowledge who God is, there's great power in that. Abraham in Genesis chapter 14 said this. He said, the Lord God most high, the the possessor of heaven and earth. What's he doing? He is declaring the power of the Almighty. Elijah did the same thing. He said, he began to pray in in Mount Carmel when in 1 Kings chapter 18, and he said, the Lord God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Israel. What's he doing? He's declaring who God is. That we take some time in prayer to talk about who he is. In Psalm 148 verse 13, it says, then let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above the earth and heaven. You know, I I listened to John Bevere. He has a, John Bevere and Lisa now have an app that you can get. It's called Messenger X. If you look it up, you know, in the app store, you can download it for free. And it has all of their series on there. So I love to go through and listen. In fact, they sent me an award for being one of their best listeners because <laughs> I listened to their series so much. But one of the things I've heard John say often has been the word awesome. He said, I don't like to use the word awesome for anything else other than God because God truly is awesome. How many of you have ever maybe you've been to the Grand Canyon or you've been to Niagara Falls or you've been to some wonder and you look at it and you go, wow, God, you are awesome. You know, or you look out into, out into space and you see the vastness of space and how it never ends. And wow, that deserves the word awesome. And so I like how John says he reserves that word for God. So there's confession, there's the acknowledgement of who God is, but then there's also the confession of sin. The very first place that you start when you're coming into the presence of God, when you think about the tabernacle, In fact, in uh, Eureka Springs, if you've ever been the Passion Play, they have a life-size model of the tabernacle. It's it's really cool. I've been to it, been in it, and uh, it's really neat to see. But when you come into that tabernacle and you come through that first gate, that first curtain, which is called the way, you come through there, the first thing that you see is the bronze altar, right? The altar of sacrifice, the brazen altar, I mean. It's made out of brass because brass represents suffering. So on this altar is where the sacrifice is made. They would bring their sacrifice, right? This is where Jesus, that's why he's called the lamb that was slain. He became the ultimate sacrifice so that when you come into the tabernacle or you begin to come into the presence of God, your conscience is already clear. Why? He became the sacrifice for you and I. Now, if your conscience is not clear, that's the, that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit there. 
If you have a conscience that you need to ask him to forgive you, or maybe you had a cross word with someone, you need to go and make it right. What is that? Your heart, if your heart is bothering you, it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's your conscience that's not clear. And we have to go and we have to get our conscience clear. Why? So that we can come into the presence of God. And Jesus, thank God, became that sacrifice so that we could come directly into his presence. Remember when the curtain was ripped into? Man, what a glorious day for you and I to just walk right into the Holy of Holies and wrap our arms around our Father. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So, the confession of sin in Psalm 32, verse 5, it says this. It says, I acknowledge my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. So, God forgives us, and then we have a clear conscience, right? So, that's the place of prayer, confession. Now, let's move into the next place. The next place is petition, and this is where people tend to hang out. The prayer petition. This is where some people can get stuck, right here in petition. In 1 John 5, 14 and 15, it says this. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. So, notice that it says if we ask anything according to his will, it's important that we find out what his will is so that we can pray his will over situations and over circumstances and not just pray Phil's will or Dan's will or Tammy's will or John's will huh? or Gary's will. It's important that we pray what the will of the Father is. Where do you find that out? His word is his will. If his word says it, then, then you have his will right here. And so this is the revealed will of God. But how many of you know there's a hidden will of God for your life as well? And if we take care of his revealed will, if, if we steward this well, then guess what? Then, then we qualify for his hidden will because we've stewarded this will first. Sometimes it's interesting to me because, you know, because we're, we're Christians. How many OU fans I got in here? Any OU fans at all? Yes. Oh, you're, son, you're not an OU fan. Are you serious? <laughs> you were born there. Okay, you are? You're a true OU fan. My son is officially, you guys heard it here first. Okay, all right. They beat UTEP. Okay. Big accomplishment. So, no, I'm teasing. I'm, te I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, but you're an OU fan, okay? What is their slogan? Boomer Sooner. You know where that comes from? When they opened up the Oklahoma Territory and people came across the line, there was a, there was a time that, that they were going to hear, I don't know if it was going to be gunfire or a big alarm, but that was when you were supposed to cross the line and go and grab the area that you wanted. Well, the Sooners, guess what they did? They're called Sooners for a reason. They went early. They snuck across the line. They went in. And so when all these other people came across the line, their territory was already staked. And they were like, what's going on? The Sooners got it boomer sinner. So we do that as Christians. We, kinda, we try to jump the line and try to assume that we know what God's will is. But if we don't get this will first and, and, and obey his revealed will, then how are we going to know what his hidden will is? 
we're faithful in little things and he makes us rulers over much things, right? Okay. So back to Matthew chapter six, look at verse 10. It says this, your kingdom come, your will be done, praying according to his will, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Say on earth as it is in heaven. All right. Yeah, give us this day our daily bread. So over in, uh, in Philippians chapter four, verse six, it says to let your request be made known to God. Let your request be known to God. That is very simple, all right? And sometimes we kind of go over the top when we do that. You know, one of the things that George Bonner also said was this. He, they asked this question, what does the content of your prayers most oftenly pertain to? I went down and I saw everything that people prayed about it. And you know what I found? I found a common denominator. And you know what it was? Me. Number one thing that I pray for is me, myself, and I. Okay, and so sometimes that's why we're hanging out there. And so we can get stuck there. And we're focusing on our needs. We're focusing on our wants. We're focusing on our desires. But this is not, this is a place of prayer. This isn't the point to prayer. Making petitions. Did you hear what I just said? This is a place of prayer. This is not the point to prayer. Amen. And God cares about your personal needs. He does. They're worthy of his attention. But once you've asked that question, it's time to say amen and move on. Right? Asked, answered, moved on. It's time to move on. So we're going to move on to the next one. The third place of prayer is adoration. We were doing a lot of this this morning, this adoration. You know what the word adore means? It means to worship with profound reverence, to address with exalted thoughts by prayer and thanksgiving, to pay divine honors to, and to honor as God or as divine. So it may begin with the words that Zach had us repeat this morning. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Man, let me give you an example, and I'd like for you to read this. If you could turn over to 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles, look at, verse, look at chapter 29. We're going to begin in verse 11. The reason I want to read this is because this is David. David is giving praise to God. And so this is a great example of adoration. Listen, listen to what he says. He says in verse 11, he says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might, and in your hand... Uh, it is to make great and to give strength to all. Verse 13, now therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you and of your own, we have given them to you. So God owns everything. So we're... <laughs> We're always giving. Whenever we give 10%, Tom was talking about the 10% that we give. Man, it all belongs to him anyway. I mean, we're just giving back to him what was already his to begin with. Amen? 
So, so you can literally get lost in adoration and suddenly, man, the time goes by and you look at your watch and you go, oh man, a couple hours have gone by because you've been adoring the Father and then that leads you into intimacy. Now, I have a little difficulty with the word intimacy because it's, it's like a hot button right now. When people talk about prayer, they talk about intimacy, they talk about getting wrecked and, it, and it's almost like it's a buzzword, like it's a popular thing. But the thing about intimacy is you can't just go there first and bypass adoration and bypass um, confession and bypass some of these things. That's why I didn't, I didn't want to call them levels, but I do want to make this point about intimacy. Intimacy is exactly the word. It's an intimate relationship. It's a deep relationship with your father in intimacy. And let, let me read James chapter four, verse eight to you. This is out of the Passion Translation. It says, move your heart closer and closer to God and he will come even closer to you. Man, what I love about the Holy Spirit, he, was, he will never force himself on you. He won't try to take advantage of someone in prayer. You know, when you think about intimacy, I think about a husband and a wife, a man and a woman that are in covenant together, the covenant of marriage. And, and that intimacy is not something uh, that we take lightly. It's not something that we just jump into, but it's something that is built up to. Does that make sense? You know, I mean, there is, there is things that precede that that brings you to that place of intimacy. Um, and so, you know, we can ask the Holy Spirit to help us and he's ready to respond. But, you know, and this is, but this is something that you're not gonna be able to skip over other stuff and just jump right to, not right away. It requires a deep, deeper relationship than that in prayer. In Jeremiah, it says this in, in chapter 31, verse three, it says this, it says, this is the way God put it, Israel out looking for a place to rest, met by God, or met God out looking for them. God told them, I will never quit loving you and never, uh, sorry, I've never quit loving you and never will. Expect love, love, and more love. Wow, wow. So it's about what intimacy can produce and what you can leave with that intimacy deposits in you more than it's about the act. Does that make sense? You know, uh, we, we don't want to treat God in a, in a lustful way, in a, in a way that it's just get what I can, can what I can get, you know. It, it, intimacy is two people completely giving to one another, completely loving each other freely. It's not about me, it's not about, you know, can you satisfy me? That's not what intimacy is. Intimacy is you and I, what can we give to you, God? Okay, yeah, I got, well, okay, so here's the importance of intimacy. You can't go in faith where you haven't gone in intimacy. Hmm. So in this place, we're more interested in what we can give him as opposed to what he can give us. Then intimacy leads you into intercession. 
To me, intercession is one of the most powerful forms of prayer. And the reason is, is because it's based in love. Because to intercede means that I do it on behalf of somebody else. That means I, I care so much about what's going on in their life that I'm giving up my time to make an investment in them. Jesus, this is what he does for us on a continual basis. The Bible says he sits at the right hand of the Father doing what? To make intercession for you and I. He's interceding on my behalf, on your behalf, right? And so when we do this, the scripture says that no greater love has a man than this and he lays down his life for someone else. Well, what does that mean? I, I can die for somebody else. That's definitely laying down my life for someone else. But when you lay down your time and you go to intercession for somebody else, you're laying down your life. Time is your life. The clock's ticking. So when you lay it down, when you begin to intercede for people, it, it, it is a sincere act of love. Remember in John 3, 16, for God, you've got it on your shirt, for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. Giving is the very essence of love. And that's what you're doing when you're interceding is you are committing that act of love. It's a great act of love. In Ephesians chapter six, verse 18, it says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert, be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Mm. Wow, that's a very powerful form of love. So, and it's possible to jump into this instantly. You know what I found is that sometimes when I'm interceding for someone else, the Holy Spirit will allow me to begin to feel what they're feeling and begin to sense the, the agony that they have you know, to begin to feel the despair, you know, if it's uh, over their uh, children or over a family member that they're feeling. Why? Not so I can just feel it, not just so I can somehow um, experience that. It's so that I can pray at a deeper level of prayer with understanding of what the person is going through. And so my heart goes out even more. How... How is it that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us and he groans? Why is he groaning? He knows what you're going through. He knows what's happening in your life. He knows your heart's desire. And I've had that happen. I've prayed sincerely for, for you, for people in the church. And I know different things that you've shared with me that you're, that you're going through. And, and I've sensed that in my heart, felt that in my heart. So in 1 Timothy chapter 2, it says this, verse 1. Therefore, I exult, exhort you, first of all, that all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. So we're supposed to be praying for other people. You know, so my question is this. If you know of someone who's going through a difficult time, you're going, somebody who has maybe lashed out at you and hurt, how are you praying for them? You know, are you, are you retaliating instead of praying? Because praying would be a great way to retaliate. What did Jesus do? When Jesus found out that John the Baptist had been beheaded, he pulled away. But crowds came and they found him. And what did he do? He retaliated with compassion. He healed them all. Preached the gospel to all of them. Wow, 
Number six, sixth place of prayer. Are you guys hearing this this morning? You can talk, feel free to talk back. Just lets me know that you have a pulse and not falling asleep on me. No, Thanksgiving, number six, Thanksgiving. This one is really important. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15, 57. He said, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the thing about giving of thanks that's interesting to me is that you've already gone through all these places of prayer. You've made your petition. You know, you've confessed sin. You've gotten a clear heart. You have, you have, you've spent time in adoration. You've spent time praying for other people. The reason that you're giving thanks is, is that you are thanking God beforehand for what he's about to do. Sometimes people get prayed for and they're disappointed because it's not an instantaneous miracle. Don't get me wrong, in this church, we believe God for miracles, miracles. We are believing God for miracles. But the Bible also says that these signs will follow those who believe, that you would lay hands on the sick. This is the last sign listed in there. You would lay hands on the sick and they would recover. How many of you know recovery is not always instantaneously? I've been recovering from a bruised rib ever since we did the outreach over at Returning Home. I still feel it, but at least I can sleep at night now. This guy hit me, but I did a step back three and we won. It was, it was a good day. But, I, but he hit me pretty hard. I mean, knocked the wind out of me and I had a bruised. So recovery happens over time. They prayed for me that day. Actually, the worship team prayed for me. And, and I've been recovering. How many of you know recovery is ever been as much a miracle as instantaneous? It is. Okay, so what are you doing? You're thanking God for what is about to happen. So let's say, I'm gonna use John as an example. Everybody say, hi, John. John, let's say I tell John, today is Sunday, so Chick-fil-A's closed, we can't do anything. But, and tomorrow is a holiday. But on Tuesday, I'm pretty sure the banks are gonna be open. And you know what? I just wanna bless you. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna get some money and we're gonna go, I want you to meet me at the dealership because I wanna buy you a car. How, yeah, doesn't that sound great? So, so after John screams like a girl, you know, and runs around the room, and I mean, after, after all the adrenaline comes back down, what, what's something that you might want to do? Go get the car. Yeah, but in addition to going and getting the car, your wife's helping you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Pastor Phil. That's amazing. You know, why? Now, do you have the keys to the car? Do you have any guarantee other than I said that to you that you're going to get a car on Tuesday? Just my word. Yeah, but you believe it because I said it. Wow. Man, when we take the word of God and we hear what he said and we receive that promise, what I like to do is I like to put my name and promises that I'm believing God for, you know? And he'll lead you to scriptures. I've made the mistake of just writing down scriptures um, and just standing on every one instead of praying and asking God, like Lisa was referring to, praying and asking God to direct me to the scripture that he has for me for this situation. You know, because not every not every scriptures are are amazing. But I want God's word for the situation that I'm in. Once I have that word, 
Now I need to put this place of prayer into practice where I begin to thank him. God, I thank you that you have given me the answer in your word. I thank you that you've given me a scripture that I can stand on. And I thank you, Lord, that you're faithful to your word. I'm not moved by what I see. Because sometimes what you see, and I don't have the answer. I was listening last night, we were watching um, the the Gen Z uh, deal. What's it called, Gen Z? Gen Z for Jesus. Yeah, we were watching that, and I got to watch that, that guy, Nick, speak. He's the one that's missing his arms, missing his legs. And he began to share, and he began to talk about how he tried to commit suicide, kill himself in his bathtub when he was little. He would look around and see other kids with arms, legs, what that must have been like for him. And he said, but what I discovered was that God could use me anyway that I could make a difference in people's lives. Even, even though he said, he said, but I want you to know, I still have a pair of shoes in my closet because I'm still believing for a miracle. Come on now. Some of, you, some of us need to get some shoes and put them in our closet for what God's about to do in our life. You know, for whatever it is that you're believing for. I don't care if it's, if it's, a, if it's a wife, a husband, if it's, if it's a business idea, that you have, it doesn't matter what it is, that we posture our heart, that we are going to give God thanksgiving for what he is about to do. Not only thank him for what he has done, I always, I, this is one thing that I, I just always have, have done, as long as I can remember when I've, when I've prayed, is Lord, I, I thank you for what you've done in the past, I thank you for what you're doing now, and I thank you for the future, what you're about to do. I give you praise, I give you honor, and I give you glory for it. Amen. Thanksgiving. First John 5, 15. We read 14 and 15 earlier, but remember it said, and if, and if we know that he hears us, if we know that God hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. So continue to stand. Don't give up. Amen. Be like Nick. Keep that pair of shoes in the closet. Once you have prayed, practice thanking him. Amen. Becca, could you come and help me? In fact, I'm going to need the whole team. You guys are going to need to to worship. The last point is this. The last place of prayer is praise. Think about this. Complaining to the devil is what praise is to God. When he hears us complaining about our situation, our circumstance, it's sweet music to the devil's ears. He's going, oh, yeah, 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 they don't like where they are. I can can get them sideways on this job and cause them to quit, and that'll set them back another four years. Or people that complain about their spouse. And man, they're just constantly complaining about their kids. And the, and the enemy knows. He says, man, if I can just keep them complaining about their spouse, then they'll never be able to fix it. And they'll, they'll come to the conclusion that this is just the way marriage is and I just have to suck it up. I made my bed, I get to lie in it. 
Isn't that such a lie? And all the time complaining and not realizing that what you're saying is creating the situation that you're in. But on the other hand, praise (laughs) produces thanksgiving and oh my word. You know, when Dan Moeller was here, um, he preached on, it was Saturday night and I'll never forget. He said Saturday night, one of the things that he talked about was when the enemy tries to bring thoughts to your mind. And he said, when, when things come to your mind and you feel bad because of them, then you know that they were not on the inside of you. This is not your thought. It's not an original thought, but it's coming from the outside in. And he said, here's what you want to do. You want to begin to praise God that he has set you free and that you're the opposite of what the thought was that came. He said, don't, don't rebuke the devil. Don't even give him any airtime on it. He said, just begin to thank God. Let's say that he comes. I'm trying to think of a thought. Anybody got any thought ideas? <laughs> you're wor- Okay, you're worthless. Thank you, John. John's helping me on the front row. So enemy comes, says, see, I told you, you're worthless. Maybe your boss gives you the what for, and immediately he comes with that thought, you're worthless. Man, you can just say, God, I thank you that I was worth so much that you paid the highest possible price for me. (laughs) Oh, man. Now, the enemy's going, I think he's a believer. I can't believe this. I, I took my best swing at him. He's still standing. Praise. Matthew 6, verse 13 says, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I think it's time to praise God a little bit. So here's what I want to do. Would you stand up?